Hello and welcome to episode six of Owen the Saints. I'm your host, Patrick Serlis, currently sitting in Tampa, Florida. And with me from London is my co-host, Jack Serlis. Jack, you good? Yeah, all good, mate. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, I feel like we ask you this question every week, but how's things in the UK? Same old, same old? Same old, mate. Nothing's changed. The only thing that's uh, a little bit different is I saw Robert Lewandowski's TikTok this afternoon, which is... Um, have you seen it? It's interesting. Was that from? A, was it from a few days ago where he's doing like some dance? Yeah, I saw it on Twitter today. Yeah, Couldn't believe what I was saying. It's just like you see a player like that, and you think they'd just be a boring character, and you think, what is he doing? He just looks ridiculous, doesn't he? <laughs> Worth checking out. Um, I think for anybody that's on TikTok, um, Greg Ozraziak would never. <laughs> well, Nathan Redmond would. <laughs> he's all over yeah, it it's funny funny but yeah all good here all good good well um just to recap uh last week's episode we chatted to jim lucas who's the former southampton media officer who's at the club between 2012 and 2016 and he's now the managing editor of the fa so that was a great chat um with jim lots of insight there uh into saints and into what was going on at the club under adkins pochettino uh, and Coman. um and then also interesting as well if you're kind of a, a student or an aspiring journalist looking um, or interested in a career in media because Jim goes into quite a lot of detail on, on what it's like working um, for a football club or in, in communications. So that was last week. This week, we are very pleased to welcome um, a, a former Southampton captain, uh, our first former Saint skipper. It's Dean Hammond who was at the club uh, between 2009 and 2013, I think I'm right in saying. 130 appearances, 11 goals, one trophy at Wembley. Um, very pleased to welcome Dean to the podcast. What are your memories, Jack, of, of watching Dean play for the club? I just can't believe it's episode six and we're speaking to an exchange <laughs> captain. It's unbelievable, isn't it? We've that's, gone through that team. That's true. I mean, it, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, we've we've spoken to a few players from from that kind of era, um, mm. but yeah, our first captain. So um, it, it's a it's a weird one because we mentioned it's like he was captain, but probably central midfield was our strongest position. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he, there's quite a few appearances of his from the bench, especially I think in the Championship season more than League One, mm. um, because we had Schneiderlin, Chaplow, Hammond. Mm. and who am I missing? Jack Cork. Um, yeah. So, it was, it was, yeah. yeah, it was our strongest, our strongest um, position in the squad. But, um, but yeah, any any kind of memories of, of him? Any goals or any games stand out to you? Definitely, yeah. Obviously, he was a big player for us being skipper. Standout memories for me are the, well, it's the Peterborough goal. I don't know if you remember the 4-4 midweek. I think we spoke to Chappies about it. It was the one where you die for the penalty but it was a corner Chamber pulling it back to the edge of the box and he just first timed it in off the underside of the bar so that's definitely one of them but I think the main one is the Leeds goal in the uh, first game back in the championship I think it was like a really hot sunny day in August and just shifted it onto his left foot he just went on a bit of a run didn't he he was on his left foot and you're thinking not, not really an area you're expecting a goal just pings it in off the post and it just kind of kick-started that season and just, you know, we started off with, with obviously that result and then Ipswich and Barnes in. It was just 
yeah, just like what starts the season. I think him being skipper in that in that team just drove us on, really. Yeah, definitely. Uh, great goal. Bit of a swinger, I think, with his left boot. But we'll ask him <laughs> about that. <laughs> Don't think he scored too many um, with his left foot from distance. Um, no. But yeah, so we will chat to him um, about his his memories of Saints and what he's been up to recently. I think some Southampton fans might have seen that he uh, came out of retirement, basically, to play for Worthing um, in West Sussex. Very short-lived, though, because I think he joined the club in early March and then a week or two later, uh, Mm. non-league football was postponed and it's now obviously been cancelled. So I guess it remains to be seen whether he's going to continue playing for them next season whenever that whenever that starts. Um, so we'll find out what he's up to now. He's also got a, um, a fitness business that he's recently started called Dean Hammond Elite Fitness, which you can find on Instagram and Twitter. Um, we'll ask him about that as well and how that's going. Um, but before we get to that, I just wanted to, to mention something that um, caught my eye on Twitter last weekend, which was the saintsplayers.co.uk website. Um, which looks like a fantastic resource for um, for Southampton fans. Definitely worth checking out if you get the chance. Um, it's basically a huge database of pretty much anyone that's ever played for Southampton. Their stats, pictures, and a really detailed bio about mm. them playing for the club. Um, have you had a chance to take a look at it yet, Jack? Yeah, I have. And yeah, I got what you said. I mean, it's got... It's got all the stats that you want, but obviously that you can get that off other websites. But the thing that's different uh, for me is just like you said, the the bio, the detail that it goes into from their whole career path, and has a lot of kind of anecdotal um, information in there from previous managers and from. I'm just looking at Dean Hammond's one now, and they're talking about um, what Pardew said when he brought him into the club. So, you know, a lot, a lot of information, a lot of detail, and yeah, as you said, an amazing resource just for for Saints fans during this time when we've got nothing to do. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you could spend uh, many hours just kind of clicking around and reading uh, about the different players that played for us. So if you if you fancy it, check that out at saintsplayers.co.uk. And I just wanted to give a quick shout out that you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. We are at uh, OWT Saints Pod. Um, and you can also, if you follow us on Instagram, uh, at that handle, you can sign up for our weekly newsletter, the first of which went out last Wednesday. Um, and that's basically um, every Wednesday morning, uh, a kind of roundup of, this, of the Saints, the key Saints news from the previous week. Um, so in last week's uh, newsletter was some, was some information on a few transfer rumours that a few players at Southampton have been linked with. There was also a decent interview with Francis Benali before his Garden uh, Marathon Challenge. Uh, and a few other bits and pieces and then some information on on our guests um, and who's coming onto the pod and who's on the pod that week. So you can sign up for our newsletter there. Um, but without further ado, I think we should bring in Dean Hammond. I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Dean Hammond. Dean, how are you doing? I'm very well, very well. How are you? Yes, good, thank you. How How is uh, things uh, in isolation? Different, yeah, different. <laughs> we're um, yeah, adapting well. We're almost it's almost the uh, the norm now. So um, yeah, trying not to go too crazy, but no, just doing nice family stuff. Um, trying to 
do the simple things, um, exercise um, and family stuff. So it, it's been okay, but yeah, like everyone else, I think we're looking forward to, to lock, lockdown being uh, released. Yes, yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. Um, well, thank you very much for taking the time to chat today. Um, over the last few weeks, we've talked to a few different former teammates of yours uh, from Southampton, uh, the likes of Richard Chaplow, Jos Hoyveld, uh, and Steve Derrida. Um, but we're delighted to speak to our first uh, Saint skipper so and a captain that led us to our most recent trophy as well. So before we get to that, I just wanted to, to kind of start really with your time at St Mary's and how that came about. So you joined the club in 2009. Um, Alan Pardew was the manager then. Um, and I think I've kind of gone back and, and read some of the interviews that you, you gave at the time and you said you were impressed by the size of the club, the facilities, the ambition. And I think I'm right in saying that at that time in your career, you were at Colchester, you had a taste of the championship. And obviously, I think you, you were quite keen then to kind of stay in the championship. Colchester got relegated and you, and you moved to Southampton. Was it a case that you saw Southampton as a, as a club that was, was pretty ambitious about getting back to the championship quite swiftly? Because we were on minus 10 at that point, I think, when you joined in terms of the, the administration and the points deficit. So um, how easy a decision was it to, to leave Colchester for Saints? I'd say it was an easy decision to sign for Southampton because the size of the club and the ambition of the club, difficult to leave Colchester um, because we just had our first child. We were, we were settled in the area. Um, we were top of League One. Uh, we just beat Norwich 7-1. So, um, yeah, in terms of that, that was a difficult decision. But, no, once I spoke to... It actually came about from speaking to Dean Wilkins, who was assistant manager at the time, to Alan Pardew. And I'd worked, I'd worked with Dean at Brighton previously. Um, and he just um, gave me a call and um, sounded me out whether I'd be interested in a move, whether I'd be interested in coming back down to Southampton. Um, and, yeah, as soon as I knew of the interest, it was something that... I definitely wanted to happen. Um, as I always say, with big clubs that are in low leagues, sleeping giant and Southampton's no different with the, the stadium facilities, the, the fan base especially. Um, knew he explained mm. the, the ambition of the owners. Um, Alan Pardew was manager, who'd been a top-flight manager. So for him to be managing the League One, it just showed the real intent of the club. So yeah, as soon as I knew, um, I wanted it to happen, and I'm and, and, and grateful. I'm very grateful that it did. And there've been there've been quite a lot of turnover at the club. Um, well, when you joined, I think it's like Ricky Lambert joined that summer as well. Jose Font, Lee Barnard, David Colony. Um, I think Jason Punchin joined in in January as well. What was it like for you joining a team that there was so much turnover? I guess the, the high quality players that are joining, but I guess it's, is it difficult to settle in that situation, or are you just kind of like excited about all these new players joining? Definitely excited. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely excited because of the quality of players, especially for that level that we were bringing in. Um, so, yeah, excitement was definitely that. Um, it's always new when it, and diff, not difficult, but different at a new football club because um, there's different values, um, different systems, different ways of doing things. So it takes a little time to, to adapt and settle. Um, but with, it sometimes helps when there is a turnover of players and a lot of new players coming in because you get a chance to settle together and find out things together. Um, so that helped. Um, but like you say, I mean, the quality of players we had, um, training was so competitive every day. Competition for places was, was huge, which I think improved us and, all, and made us all better players. Um, so yeah, it was exciting times and you could just see the direction the club was going in and it was, it was great to be a part of that. And was the, the kind of the fact that we, were, we started the season on minus 10, did that 
change the the targets for the club that season. Obviously, we wanted to to kind of get promoted as quickly as possible. But as far as the players are concerned, was it? How did you approach that? It was a challenge. It was definitely a challenge, and it was. Um, I think every player, and I'm no different. I was fully aware of the situation when I signed, um, but it was made clear to us um, by Alan, um, by Nicola Cortese, by the club that we were going to try and get promoted. We were going to do our very best. It was an uphill challenge because. We're on minus 10 with a new team, with a, a new way of playing, with getting over a relegation. Um, so it was, it was difficult. Um, but no, the ambition was to get promoted, um, to do well in the Paints Trophy as well, because um, Alan Pardew believed that that would give us momentum and um, get us used to winning games again. Because the club had not been used to winning games for the last few seasons. So that was a very simple thing, but an important mm. thing. Um, so it was, it was the ambition to get promoted and you know, we give it a real go. Um, it's a competitive league that season in League yeah. One. Um, and we just missed out on the playoffs in the end. But, you know, I think that season especially um, set the foundations for everything that was going to happen for um, the next few years. So it was an important season, even though we didn't necessarily get um, the ultimate goal we wanted to. Yeah. And you, I mean, I think you've been at, you've been captain at Brighton before that and at Colchester. And then it wasn't long before you were the on-field captain at Saints as well. I think Kelvin Davis was the club captain. Um, and then you took the armband, I think in, in November or, or around that time um, of that first season. Is that, uh, I guess, in terms of your, your playing style, you've been captain at various different clubs. Was that something... I mean, how would you describe your, your approach to it, to coming into a new club and being captain after a few months? Is that, is that a difficult challenge or is that just something that felt natural at the time? Um, it was challenging at a new club because obviously you're a new player, so you're still trying to prove yourself to everyone. You're still trying to settle into the dressing room, still trying to find your position within the dressing room. Um, but no, I mean, Calvin was brilliant with me. He was still club captain and rightly so because so well respected. Um, a class class man, class bloke, um, and a really good player. But, you know, Alan just, Alan, after I suppose him being new to the club as well, was assessing things, analysing things at the club um, during games, during training. And he just felt as though he needed, he needed someone, a uh, captain on the pitch, more involved in the action that could actually be on the pitch, could be around players, could give instructions, could influence the referee, because that's yeah. an important role of a, of a captain and, and players. So, I think that was the decision behind it. No reflection on Kelvin. Um, and, you know, I loved it. It was, um, as soon as I was given the opportunity, I was very proud to, to be captain. And um, I'm not, I, I think I'm a captain that probably leads by example in terms of training and in my, in my performances. I wouldn't say I'm um, giving Churchill speeches <laughs> and, and that loud in the dressing room, but I'll be loud on the pitch. Um, and I think that's probably what he saw and what he wanted. So, no, a very privileged position to be captain. And, and love leading the team up. You mentioned there about kind of the, the dressing room and that's something that's come from speaking to some of the other guys as well. Like the team spirit, this is early days, I guess, but coming on to like the League One promotion season and the championship promotion season, the team spirit is something that a lot of them have mentioned about being really, really good. Um, and, you, and you said there that you were kind of leading by example. What was the, the kind of general... Um, personality of the of the changing one was there anyone in there that was kind of screaming and shouting the team spirit was good I guess but I mean what was the dynamic like between the players good it was a good respect but yeah there was there was some vocal people there's some loud people there was um, people that just um, led by example with their performances um, we didn't have um, 
over loads of experience really we had Calvin obviously we had Paul Watton um, David Conley so there was some real quality and experience in there but not a, a huge amount um, I would say probably Watts was very vocal but in a really good way um, led by example but um, would speak his mind and that's needed Calvin very similar um, if he saw things that he liked or didn't like he would let you know um, he had a presence as well Calvin but you know, very approachable. So, no, the dynamics of the dressing room was good. There was a good mix. There was a lot of youngsters yeah. as well that needed, um, uh, what should I say, <laughs> some direction at, at some times and a bit of guidance. But no, there was there was a good mix and that just got better and better. Um, and results helped yeah. that. If you're winning games, confidence, enjoyment of being in the dressing room, enjoyment of being in the training ground um, improved. So, no, there was, there was, there was a good blend and, I think that's what the club did when they recruited well. They looked into that as well and they wanted to bring in the right type as well, not just for the quality of the player, the right personality. Um, and I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons why we were successful. Yeah. And coming on to then the, the JPT, as, as you mentioned, that was a target for, for Alan and for the team. Uh, Saints did a thing, it was 10 years, 10 years since that day. Um, I think it was in March. What are your memories from that game, and and did you did you see Saints put that out? And it was they kind of they had the whole match where you could rewatch it, and it was obviously great memories as a fan being at Wembley and, and rewatching it. But as a player, what are your memories from that game? Amazing day, uh, great memories. Um, just from leaving the hotel on the bus and um, getting towards Wembley, and just seeing I've said it, said it many a time, just seeing the red and white everywhere. And, the amount of fans were there and we knew the importance of the game. We knew what it meant to the club, the fans, to us as players. Um, so, yeah, an amazing memories. Always wanted to play at the National Stadium, personally. Been to the old Wembley. It was the first time I'd been to the new Wembley. So, no, great days. And I just think we, as soon as we saw all them fans there and the red and white and the noise and the support and the passion they were going to give us, there was never any doubt we were going to win the mm. game not from an arrogance point of view or overconfidence, just that it was fate and it was meant to be and it was the start of the resurgence of the, of the club. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the game probably couldn't have gone any better for the team. We, we were 4-0 up. I know we won 4-1 in the end. We were, we were comfortable, um, scored goals at the right time, put in a really good performance, especially as well the team wasn't probably the regular team that had been playing in the league because there was a lot of players that had come in January that couldn't play in the competition. So there was a few changes and the players that come in, again, showed the mentality of the squad, came in, done a great job, was successful. So, no, good celebration afters as well. So, you know, it was, it was, it was a good day, all good day all around. Yeah, I mean, it, it's from, a, from a fan perspective as well, I remember going into that game being, like you said, the players really confident. And I remember thinking like, really confident as well which is unusual for me as a Southampton fan going to a match thinking all right we're definitely gonna we're definitely gonna do well here and then I went back preparing for this interview and I was and I was sure that Carlisle was down towards the bottom of the table which was giving me the confidence but they were they were mid-table they were only I think two places behind Saints at the time so it was relatively um, evenly matched as far as the table goes but yeah as as you say 4-0 up and I think you're right we did score at the right times but um but great memories. And in terms of kind of pushing the club on, how, how, how much credit would you give that then in terms of that result, helping the dressing room believe that, okay, we're, we're a very, very talented team and 
it might not happen this season, but it's only a matter of time before we, we do get promoted if we keep this team together. Exactly that. I think it just gave us that, uh, that real belief. And I think that one of the major things, I think you always, you, we always knew what the size of Southampton was and the size of the club and the history of the club. But seeing the amount of fans there that day, seeing what it meant and the volume and the passion of the fans, I think just really showed us you know, what football club we were playing for. And I mm-hmm. think that just um, enhanced our belief that, okay, you know, we're, we're not just going to try and get back to the championship. You know, this club needs to be back in the Premier League. And, um, and like I say, every day, the players that we were training with um, improved you. Training was, you know, Dean Wilkins was a really, really good coach. Um, so, you know, he was improving the players all the time. The younger players were getting more mature. Um, get better and better with more games. They were learning how to win games because the younger players at the club were so talented because the academy, they were so good. But one thing they hadn't learned or had forgotten was how to manage games, how to win games. And, and, you know, they'd won a competition now. So I think it triggered something and switched something in their minds that they realised, okay, we can really build something here. So it it felt like the start, it really did. Mm. And then shortly after that, I mean, I read a great article, a great interview that you gave to The Athletic the other day. Um, and obviously that was kind of folk, quite heavily focused on Brighton. But then a few days after that, Saints played Brighton. And kind of at the, the, at the top of that article, it mentions about you scoring a goal and the celebration. I'd forgotten about it, to be honest, in terms of... Um, but obviously Brighton fans hadn't or until you, you, you return to the club. And I think all has been kind of forgiven there. Um but it's something that Chappers spoke about as well when we were speaking to him. The following season, Saints and Brighton obviously had quite a big rivalry because we were both at the top of the table competing for promotion and competing for, for top spot. Um, and you have, you have quite a, um, a unique perspective on it because you've played for Brighton, you came through the academy there. Is that, is that something that players in the dressing room felt? There, there was a little bit of a rivalry with the Brighton team in, the, in those League One and Championship days? A rivalry, yeah, because well, obviously we're both from the South Coast. They were top of the league. Um, rivalry because we knew they were a good team. Um, mm. They were playing you know, an excellent brand of football that season under Gus Poyet. Uh, and we were trying to catch them because we hadn't particularly started the season well. Um, Nigel Atkins had come in and um, I, th- I think he made a few comments maybe potentially on the... Um, between us and Brighton, I can't remember what they were. So I think the managers just clashed. I think, a, yeah. I think the managers just clashed yeah. a little bit of different personalities. And I played under Gus later on, so I can see that they are different. Um, but yeah, we would. It was more of a rivalry because we were trying to catch them. We were, we were, we were determined not only to get promoted that year but win the league. Um, it was a tough yeah. call because we started slow, but no, it was. Um, no, they were a good team that shit that year. They were. They they played some good football, but so did we. So. You know, the games are always, I think we played them at home and it was, it was probably one of the most exciting nil-nil draws I've ever played in. They missed a penalty late on, but it was a great game. And that had some real bite and feist to it. So, yeah, there was a rivalry. Definitely, yeah. Well, on that that League One promotion season, then you said we sl- we started quite slowly and Pardew was, was replaced um, by Nigel. How did that, if at all, change the dynamic in the dressing room? Um, two very, very different managers. Yeah, it did change it. They are, you're right. They're, they're different managers. Um, D 
different philosophies on football, different views, um, different personalities. You know, um, Nigel wants to get close to the players, wants to understand the players, um, likes speaking to the players individually as well as collectively. Um, came in and had an idea of playing a different brand of football, whether that was influenced from, from the board of how they wanted to play. So we started playing out from the back more and that took a bit of time to, to develop and, uh, and mould in training. Um, so, yeah, it, it, as, a, as a player, you're employed by Southampton. So whoever your manager is, you do your best for the football club. So it was a shock when Alan left because we just won 4-0 four, four away at Bristol Rovers um, and put in a really good performance. Um, so we thought as though that was a kickstart of our season. But for whatever reason, the club felt a change was needed. Um, and from the results and obviously what followed on in the, in the years to come, it was a, a justified decision. We mentioned uh, a few minutes ago about the team spirit in, in the dressing room and the kind of camaraderie amongst the players in that League One um, promotion season. How does how does that dressing room, being a part of that, compare to, to other ones that you've you've been a part of in your career? And and what do you think, if you agree with some of the other people that we've spoken to and they've, they've kind of said it was one of the best of their career, what do you think made it so special? I agree it was one of the best I've been in. Um in my career. Um, I think it was just a really good mix. It was a mix of mm. younger players with real talent, um, had some older experienced players then in that year. I mean, we brought Danny Butterfield in and David Connolly was, was playing more because he'd recovered from injury and different things. Um, players like myself and Ricky become a little bit more experienced. Um, so there was just a real blend and we got on really well. The boys socialised together as well. Um, the wives would spend time together, which helped. We all started probably having kids as well, so there was a there was a, a mix and a blend there. So no, there was it was fun. I must admit it was good fun. The training ground was was good fun. We used to do things on Friday like fine days, you know, if you need equipment out, and, and that was good fun. And um, yeah, and we would we would have a few nights out together to celebrate certain things, and everyone everyone was involved. So. And it helped actually because at the training ground they were redeveloping the training ground or had ideas of doing it. We were down the bottom of the training ground then in Porter Gavins, so everything was mm-hmm. close knit. We were all together, the canteen, the staff, the medical staff, the players were all close. So it just we mixed well together, and it just it just worked. Yeah, yeah, that was something that the the fine meeting popped up a few <laughs> times when I was speaking to to Richard Chaplow. Um, it sounded like a good fun. Was it Kelvin that was running that? Yeah, Kelvin. Kelvin ran that. It was <laughs> the idea was obviously to get as much money as you could because it's like a savings <laughs> pot that then you would spend at the end of the season or Christmas for a night out or a club a club night yeah. out. So you would, everyone was trying to stitch everyone up as much as they could, and you'd have to bring your money. If you didn't bring your money, it would double. People would always forget their money. People would always fight <laughs> against the decision. You'd have a committee where you could pay a certain amount of money to go and. Um, appeal against your decision you'd never win an appeal never but and some people would still, I mean Jason Puncher would always try and appeal decisions always try and, no it wasn't me and you, obviously with cameras and phones now you'd have photographic evidence there was no getting out of it but yeah it was good fun it was supposed to be for like I don't know 10-15 minutes on a Friday morning but it always used to last for half an hour 40 minutes you'd have the coach coming in the manager coming and say we've got a meeting we've got a meeting we've got to get on the training ground we'd be like I've just got to finish this year. so it was good fun yeah really good fun you mentioned punching there. Was anyone anyone else that was um, frequent uh, offenders? 
Uh, he was the worst. Uh, I mean, we tried <laughs> to get David Connolly all the time, but he would never pay up. So trying to get blood out of stone with David. He was... Uh, I'm trying to think who else, really. No, I think probably... Punch was the worst, probably. Luke, Luke okay. Shaw later on was 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 pretty. Just really? because he was so laid back, he was just the most laid back person I've ever met in my life. Just really <laughs> nice kid, obviously an amazing player, but just chilled. Just yeah, okay, no problem. Yeah, okay, no worries. <laughs> but it, it, which made real, real, really funny. But no, I say yeah. Punch was the funniest one because he would never realise, you wouldn't know you've got fines until the moment. You wouldn't get a pre-warning of, right, okay, you need to give this. It would, and he would, his name would keep coming up, keep coming up, and he'd be, gee, yeah, we don't know, so it's good fun. I wanted to speak a little bit about um, some of the goals that you scored as well. Um, I was chatting to Jack, who I do this podcast with, and he mentioned one of his favourite of yours was the was the goal you scored against Peterborough in the four-all, the four-all game that season. Um Watch that back. Was that that was train? Was that off the training ground? <laughs> Honestly, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't. We hadn't, we hadn't we hadn't practiced it previous to that on the training ground. It was something that um, I think it was Andy Crosby at half time said. Look, they're not leaving anyone on the edge of the box. Um, and I think mm. I can't think the score was at the time. I think I think maybe we were three two up at the time, um, and they were leaving one up. So we were quite. He they he, they were quite happy for us. There was two of us staying back. They were leaving one up. He was quite happy. So they got no one on the edge of the box. So I think they were trying to double mark Ricky Lambert. So obviously he was our main target. Right. Um, so just let me run forward, get to the edge of the box. Uh, Chamber would put it back to the edge and, and get a shot away. Um, and then as I was doing that, someone would run back. So you wouldn't leave one on one in the back. But it would be, um, so he saw that opportunity. And the first corner we got, I just said to Chamber, look, lay it back to me. I'll probably put it in the stand. But, you know... I'll try my best and obviously it landed nicely and a good connection. And yeah, it was, you know, as soon as it hits your foot, you know, it's got a good chance. So yeah, it was an enjoyable goal. But no, it wasn't off the training ground. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, just wanted to double check. Um, but you scored a, quite a few crucial goals in that run in. You scored that goal um, against former club Colchester as well. I think we won that game 2-0. Yeah. Um, and then Bournemouth as well. We beat them 3-1 towards the end of the season. Uh, scored in that game as well. Um, I just remember that game because of the red card for Oscar yeah. Goban. Um, <laughs> what a tackle! That that was. Uh, yeah, I've seen that on YouTube a few times. But um, do you have a favourite goal from from your Saints time? Yeah, I mean the Peterborough goal is a, a decent goal because it's a decent strike. Um, I enjoyed the one against Leeds. I must admit on the the, the, the opening day of the season. Um, that, that was good. One, because it was with my left foot. And I think it was probably the only time I used my left foot in my career. So while I was shooting from that distance with my left foot on the run, on the opening day of the season, I must have been tired or it was a hot day or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, probably that goal. Just because it was the first game back in the championship. It was against the Leeds. It was a full house. Um, and it just started the season off well for me. And um, I knew I would have to perform well that year because obviously we had Jack Cork, Morgan Stein, Richard Chaplow. Um, so, yeah, we're all vying for two positions out of four of us. So, probably just that goal will give me the most pleasure. Um, I was going to come on to that, actually, because, yeah, as you mentioned, we signed Jack Cork that summer. Um, and um, you just listed them off there. But our midfield options, um, even now looking back on on having those four midfielders in the championship is is 
some luxury, I guess, for Nigel Adkins to pick from. Um, what is what's the kind of player player mentality when you've just been promoted and then the club goes and signs uh, another midfielder in your position? What kind of mentality do do you take into to, to the preseason training or to training and in games? Is it well? It's that really. Uh, I think the mentality is that you know. Uh, if a new player comes in your position, that you obviously it's going to be competition, um, and someone like Jack Cork is really strong competition. Um, but yeah, it's, I always think of the mentality of that you've got to be nice to people, you've got to give people the credit, you've got to respect people, um, and just give it. It gives you an opportunity to improve as a player, test yourself as a player. I was fully aware at the end of um, the League One season. Um, that I knew I didn't know who it was, but I knew midfielder was going to come in because Nigel was. We'd have team, we'd have individual meetings at the end of the season, um, maybe to reflect and review your performances individually, what he thought was going to happen next year. Um, and he just made me aware that I'm going to bring a new midfield player in. That doesn't mean that I don't want you to club or you're not going to play, but I just there's going to be four of you competing for two positions. So I was aware of it. Um, and people spoke really well of Jack uh, before he came in because he'd been at the club previously on loan, I think. Uh, Adam Lalana and a few other players knew him. So, um, and I actually worked with his dad, um, Alan, when I was at Brighton. He was um, assistant manager when I was youth team. So, um, yeah, his dad was a bit a bit more crazy than Jack. I must admit. Um, so they're they're very different. Um, but no, it was it was good for me. I think it, it 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 helped me because I just went away in the summer. I think I had a week, two weeks break, and then I just got myself really fit and thought, right, okay, look, I love playing for Southampton. I'm captain. I'm I'm going to do all I can to to hold on to my shirt and, and try and play. And if I don't get selected, it's out of my control. But I'm going to give it everything I can. So no, I enjoyed the competition. And you mentioned there that we beat Leeds on the opening day of that season. Um, we've been promoted from League One. We were used to winning most weeks. Um, when you when you do when you're in a team that gets promoted, how? I mean, how do you gauge what your targets are for that season? Were you going into that Leeds game thinking, okay, this is the start of a season where we're we're trying to get promoted again? Or are you a little bit more, not realistic, because it ended up happening, but you know what I mean, just in terms of, we've just come up from League One. Um, as a fan, I remember thinking, okay, we'll see how we do here. We can kind of solidify ourselves and then push on, that'd be great. But if you beat Leeds on the opening day of the season, all of a sudden you think, Okay, they they almost got in the playoffs last year, and they were very very competitive in the championship. We've just beat them relatively com- comfortably on the opening day of the season. Did the players kind of think we can actually we can actually push on and and compete for promotion in our first season back in the championship? Yeah, because again, it was the target and the ambition of the club. We had a meeting when we first come back um, for pre season with the manager and the coaching staff, and we were made fully aware of that the target for the season was promotion again. Um, the manager. Had made it aware to us that he'd had the opportunity to bring more players in um, to spend more money, but he made us aware that he had belief in us um, as a group and as players. I think we brought one or two in, of course, but I think he had opportunity to spend more money, um, and he didn't. So that gave us confidence. And um, but no, the, the ambition of the season—it's easy to say now because obviously we got promoted, but was to get promoted and beating Leeds on the opening day of the season, and the way we did and the way we played. I think just reinforced that belief. So it was a good start for us. We had a good preseason. We were one thing we were was obviously we were we were good players and a good team, but we were fit as well, really fit. So that helped. And I think we were just a surprise for everyone. I think everyone thought we might go for mid table or try and push for the players, but no, we were going for promotion. Mm. Do you 
do you have from I guess from the League One and from the Championship season? Do you have a kind of a standout game or a favourite game or a favourite moment in a Saints shirt? Good question. Hard question. That um, obviously the last game of the season when we got promoted special. Um, but there's games in the season that were, were special as well. I mean, beating Ipswich away from home was some performance, um, especially first half. That was, yeah, that was, I think, where everything, that was probably a year's work of where everything clicked. I mean, Adam Nalana and Ricky Lambert and um, Goody De Prado and David Connolly, everyone, but I mean, especially them attacking players that night, they just ripped Ipswich apart. Mm. Um, so that game stands out for me. Um, one, because I had food poisoning before the game as well and I actually played where I shouldn't have done. I didn't tell anyone, but got through it. So it was nice that everyone played well because I think they carried me that night, which was nice. Um, but the West Ham game at home as well probably just reaffirmed again that you know we're playing arguably the best team in the league um, in West Ham, the biggest team in the league. We beat them 1-0 at home. Um, we held our own. They were a strong team. I think they'd just come down from the Premier League, maybe it's the first season. Um, so, yeah, that just, I remember that result. And I remember being in the dressing room afterwards and thinking to myself, thinking, do you know what? We've got a chance here. Mm. We've really got a chance. So, them two games, them, they stand out for me, I'd say. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, both of them as well. From a fan's perspective, I was at the West Ham game. I think it was... I think it was Jost that scored the goal, wasn't it? They scored yeah, quite, they score, quite, yeah. quite a few goals that season. Um, yeah, it did, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, he mentioned that as one of obviously as one of his um, his <laughs> moments. Um, but I mean that that whole season really. There's from, from you've mentioned a few of them there, but they was it's just it was just week after week of um, incredible performances. And I've said this a few to a few of the players that. I've spoken to, but as a fan, Southampton obviously gone on to have some great seasons in the Premier League, but there's nothing like playing, watching your team week in, week out, winning every week. Um, and that's basically what we were doing in the Championship against very good teams like West Ham, as, as you say there. So it was um, an incredibly enjoyable couple of years. Um, which brings, a, a kind of, I wanted to kind of mention then, Going on to the Premier League, when we spoke to 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 Chappers, he mentioned a little bit of the the fact that he was kind of a little bit disappointed that the, some of the players that had taken Southampton up from League One to the Premier League were given were not given much of an opportunity once we got to the Premier League. And I think I think you you kind of fall into that category as well. You didn't really play um, or get even a much of a chance um, to play under Adkins in the Premier League, and I think you went on loan to Brighton um, do you do you feel that as well do you feel kind of similar in the sense that you would have loved to crack um, in that team with with Southampton yeah I mean uh, yeah if I'm being honest I would have loved the opportunity from it would have been a dream story for me to be honest you know I'd signed for the club minus 10 in League 1 and um, to lead the team out in the Premier League would have been icing on the cake yeah I can't I'm not going to lie and say I wasn't disappointed um, do I understand it? Yeah, you know, it's football, it's a business, it's opinions. The club had signed Stephen Davis, I think. Uh, War Prowse was coming through as well. You had Jack Cork and, and Morgan there. So competition was was high. Um, so, yeah, I was disappointed. And I, obviously my, my dream from a kid was to play in the Premier League. And I thought this was my opportunity and I didn't get it. So... Um, but the club were good with me. I've got to, I've got to say that the club and, and Nigel and um, Nicola were good with me. To be honest, they they made me fully aware of the situation. Um, I was never forced out of the football club. Um, 
uh, I was, you know, there was discussions and um, reasoning behind decisions. So um, once I knew that I probably wasn't going to play as regular as I wanted to, or maybe wasn't going to get the opportunity that I was going to get, and um, they had high aspirations for for James Ward Prowse, obviously, um, and he's shown that. So. Um, rightly so now um, and I knew Brighton were interested and it was a club that um, I'd always had a thought that I could potentially go back to um, I knew players there as well as Gus Poyet so no I'm disappointed but I'm grateful for the club in helping me get in a move back to Brighton because like we spoke about earlier relationships wasn't the easiest between the clubs so um, it would have been nice and it would have been a perfect send-off to, to get that opportunity but it didn't happen and I'm lucky enough and fortunate enough that it happened with Leicester later on in my career. Yeah, I mean, wanted to kind of go on to to Leicester then because you're at Brighton and then and then Leicester and that was another promotion season um, back to the Premier League. Um, I, I, one of the things I was I was just kind of curious about really. You've mentioned some of the names there and and at Leicester they brought in Ungolo Kante. Can you name some of the players that that really stand out to you as some of the best people, kind of the best players that you've ever played with? But was there anyone else in your career, maybe on the Southampton side as well, that you think, wow? Playing with playing with that person was was incredible. Yeah, many players. I mean, from from both clubs, really very similar clubs as well. Very family clubs, um, community within the community. Very similar squads as well. When I went to Leicester, it was um, a, a, the, the, the balance of the squad wasn't right. It was a really talented squad um, with a lot of flair players and a lot of um, high quality players for that level. But it just need balances it out when. Um, they brought myself in. They brought Kevin Phillips in, um, Gary Taylor Fletcher, just to just to give a bit of experience really to the group. Uh, but yeah, players. I mean, I played with from Leicester would have been, you know, Riyad Mahrez and um, Kante, like you say, and um, Esteban Cambiaso and Jamie Vardy, and I mean, Danny Drinkwater and was was a very very good player. So you know, I was very fortunate in that, and, and the Southampton, obviously. Um, Ricky for the amount of goals he scored and um, I don't think well I think obviously people realise what a good player he was but I don't think they quite appreciate what a good player he was he was a good footballer mm. as well not just a goal scorer and one of the stand I mean this is a, one of the best players or probably if not the best player I played with was Adam Nalana he was just mm. amazing what a player I mean Oxlade Chamberlain as well obviously and unfortunately he's just had a few two injuries um, but he's getting back to his best now. But yeah, you know, Adam Lallana was exceptional. I'd say, in, exceptional in his ability and exceptional in his his personality and his drive to get the best out of his abilities. Could he could he worked hard in training? He was determined. He was passionate, um, and he was focused as well. So he wanted to learn. So no, I really really enjoyed working with him, and obviously lucky enough to play with him because he made my 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 life a lot easier. <laughs> unless unless we were on different teams in training then he didn't make my life do he yeah, <laughs> yeah well I think a, f- a few players have mentioned Adam I mean like I said a combination of his technical ability and 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 his work rate as well um, but from from Leicester then he kind of went into a role as a as a loans manager yeah give just a little bit of um, background on what that actually involves well it's a great role for a start with and it came about where I'd finished playing um, I'd taken a bit of time out of the game I just had my third child so um, decided to take um, a few months out of the game which in hindsight was not a good thing because it technically ended my career unfortunately because um, you get 
forgotten very quickly in the football industry, um, even though when I felt as though I'd had a decent career. Um, so I took some time out, probably six months, and then got a phone call from, from Leicester, the 23s manager, um, just wondering what I was doing because I was still living in Leicester at the time, um, and asked me if I'd go in and train with the, with the 23 players um, to give them a help because they had a few injuries. They were bottom of the league at the time. They were low on confidence and just come in and, and lift a bit of morale, really, a bit of mentoring. So we went in and I ended up training for two weeks. Then I ended up playing for the 23, signing back for the club. Not signing, but signing for the 23s as an overage player. Uh, we ended up staying up, so I love that. Um, and then from that, really, from the, I suppose, the impact and the help I'd given, um, I got offered the loan manager's role, which was a new role at the club. Um, one that every club has to have now. But that just entails um, each player that goes on loan, you'll go and watch them play. Um, you'll watch them train you'll speak to the manager of the club they're at you'll um, analyse their game you might click games and pass on advice to them when they've done something well or they haven't done something well something they can improve on so you're probably the guy you're the middleman between them and the club okay. whereas sometimes when players go on loan um, they can get forgotten um, and it's just maybe seen that they've won one week or they've played but no it's a more detailed analysis of that so no, I really really enjoyed the role um, and unfortunately, I had to finish because my wife had a back operation um, to put her out. Of. She was she was ill and injured for five to six months. So I became a full time dad for five to six months, which was <laughs> a bit of a challenge, I must admit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you know, I love the role. Um, Leicester were really good to me as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's a good role at a football club, and I think now it's an important role as well. Yeah, I was going to say in your in your, in your playing career, then when you were on loan, did you have somebody that was in that role looking after you, or is it a relatively new position? It's a new position when I was on loan. No, no I, I mean when I was on, I was came for a Brighton. So when I was on loan, I was on loan at Aldershot, my first club, and then I was at Leighton Orient. No, you were left to your own devices, really, um, unless you were doing exceptionally well, um, and the loan club were reporting back to your parent club. You kind of got left alone and. You might get a phone call here and there for maybe an assistant manager or a youth team manager to see how you are. So, no, there wasn't that contact. And I think it's it's really important from more from a, a morale of a player just to know that you still do have a, a, a contact with the club. You still do have a role with the club. You still do have a future with the club. You're not just kind of sent away and said, right, OK, go and play some games. If you do well, brilliant. If you don't, we don't really care. Mm-hmm. Um and for my role as well, I was quite active as a loan manager. I would go and speak to the Leicester manager. I would go and speak to the 23s manager, the director of football. I would, I, would, I would push someone. So, for instance, I had Harvey Barnes when he was on loan at West Brom. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was saying to him, well, time you've got to get him back. You've got to get him back. He's, he's, he's on fire. I mean, he's doing things in the championship, which I believe he could do in the, in the Premier League. And um, Yeah, so I had the privilege of working with him. Um, but no, it's an important role for every football club now. And I think that department of clubs will grow and grow. Yeah. Chelsea obviously have a huge army of players out on loan. Um, and I think that's the first time that I really came across the concept of having someone that need, obviously you need someone to manage that. Um, so would you, is that, is that something that you'd be interested in doing then further down the line? I mean, we can come on to, to um, you kind of came out of retirement, I guess, to sign for Worthing. Um, and the season got curtailed pretty quickly due to coronavirus. Um, but you've also, you're also doing a, a kind of personal training and you've got a fitness 
uh, fitness program that that people can check out on Instagram as well. Um, but is is in the back of your mind is something like that loan manager role something that you'd you'd like to get back into? Yeah, uh, I would love to get back into football. Um, I miss I miss football. It's, you know, I did it for. 20 or did 20 years I suppose 20 odd years so it's it's what I know um, it's what I'm passionate about um, I enjoyed the loan manager role um, not sure if coaching is necessarily for me um, I love being on the training ground but I think coaching is, is different um, very different I think you've got to have a real um, determination and, and, and tunnel vision that you want to be a coach because it's mm-hmm. it's really really thorough um, but no I'm uh, like you say, I signed for Worthing. I, I feel as though I'm, I'm still fit. Um, when I left the game, it was more of a, a conscious decision, not because of injury, not because um, I lost my pace because I never had any. So that that was never going to disappear from me. Um, but yeah, I think every footballer feels as though they can play on forever. So it was more, it was more I went back to, I know the manager, it was more I went back to Worthing to, to see if I could still train and see if I could still play. And there's something still there. Um, and having the, the fit, the fitness business now, the fitness page, um, that's helping with it. I, I've got a passion for helping younger footballers and, and, and helping older footballers as well. You know, footballers that come out of the game, um, that suffer with, I suppose, mental health, uh, depression, things like that. I think exercise is so important. If you can keep that as a regular thing in your life, keep it as routine, it can really, really help you. It can really concentrate you it can it can make you think clearly and, and and try and find out what you want to do in the next stage of your life because you've got such a so many years to live now um, that's the only bad thing about football your your career ends at such a young age um, so I've got a passion of that helping older player players and, and keeping them maybe in condition so yeah a combination of things really but oh yes I would love to get back into football and you know if I could one day work my way back to somehow work in, at Southampton, um, I would love that. On the on on Worthing, then I mean everything's up in the air, I guess at the moment. Um, is that something that, whenever the season does return, you you kind of approach it then, or are you thinking I'm going to keep myself in good shape so when the season does start, whenever that may be, um, I'll be back at Worthing. I'm keeping myself in shape. That's that's for one, definitely because, like I said, I really enjoy it, um, and I've. Yeah, I've, I've, this is the first time since I've stopped playing. I've had, um, I felt the itch to come back, um, and I want to see if there's anything there. Um, there might not be, you know, I don't know, but I, I'd like to find out. So I'm keeping myself fit, and I'm, um, I'm mentally thinking that I will play again next year, and if that's something Worthing would like to entertain or someone else, we'll see. So um, who knows what the world's going to bring after coronavirus? There might be opportunities, you know, with whatever football clubs are going to do now, how they're going to be affected. They're going to have bigger squads, smaller squads, go for younger players, older, who knows? So, you know, all I can do is, if there is an opportunity, be ready for it. So let's, let's see. Look, I might come back. I might, my body might just say, no, look, you're kidding yourself. But who knows? Yeah. And I, the, the, quite a random one, but I just wanted to ask you, because I read an, I read an article um, yesterday about, obviously the Premier League is talking about coming back uh, in June, um, and then there have been stories that the, some of the players not necessarily being too happy with that from a safety point of view. 
as an ex-professional, if you can put yourself back in the, the mindset of you're, you're playing at a Premier League club, how how would you approach that? Is it just a case of you, you just listen to the guidance from above or would you have a strong opinion of, look, I don't think it's it's safe to, to think about restarting Premier League football in June? Well, first of all, I think it's going to be difficult because like anything in life, you're not going to have anyone, everyone agreeing to the same thing. So you are going to get players, uh, members of staff that will disagree with it. If the football does come back, that you're going to get players that might not want to do come back. So how you deal with that, I don't know. Is there lawsuits? Is there um, issues within the club? Players are going to be out of contract. They're going to be playing when technically they haven't got a contract. How, the, how they're going to sort that out, I don't know. Um, personally, I would give it, I would come back um, and, 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 and follow the guidelines, follow the advice of the professionals and, and the clubs. Um, but then I suppose you would just have to review on a day-to-day basis that if someone got ill, if someone, um, something bad happened because of it, um, then you would have to review it. But no, I would personally come back. Um, I think the majority of footballers would like to come back because they love playing football. It's their routine, it's their life. So it's a difficult one. Now, I can understand it if someone didn't want to because you're talking about you know, your life here, your health. Um, and obviously, from a club's point of view, it's a business. They're losing money. It's affecting their business. So they're going to want the football to come back. So, yeah. Well, yeah, it's an unprecedented situation, obviously. And I guess we've just got to to sit tight and, and wait and see. I think tomorrow the Premier League are, are well, sorry, that's Friday. That I think they'll, they'll be meeting. So um, we'll just have to wait and see what they what they say. But Dean, from from my personal um, perspective, it was it was great watching you play for Saints, and it's been great speaking to you now. Thank you very much for for taking the time to ch- to chat with us. Hopefully, um, hopefully you enjoyed it. <laughs> My pleasure. No, I really enjoyed it. Always, always love talking about my, my time at Southampton. It brings back great memories. So, no, thank you. Right, Jack, let's bring you back in. What did you make of that chat with Dean? Anything stand out to you? Definitely, Pat. I mean, first of all, class interview. I thought, uh, well, Dean will always be a legend in my eyes for those, those seasons that he had at Saints during that successful era for the club. He scored a couple of worldies for us. He was always given 100% of the pitch, 7 out of 10, 8 out of 10 every week. So all, I have fond memories of him in a Saints shirt. A couple of things that I thought were funny in that interview was the fine systems. I think a few, um, a few of the players that we spoke to on the podcast have mentioned that fine system. It was obviously pretty legendary, wasn't it? With Kelvin leading it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought it was funny how punch and most fine player, which I can see that. I can imagine that. And, Luke Shaw being the most laid-back player he's ever met, which again makes a lot of sense in like how his career's panned out and people saying that he hasn't lived up to his potential. So, yeah, I thought that was that was funny going back on that little time. Yeah, no, I agree. That was good. I thought it was quite interesting as well how he um, how he mentioned about that that summer after getting promoted from League One, um, going into the Championship season, how um, Nigel told the team that he turned down the chance to spend more money that summer because he, he believed so strongly in the group of players that they had. Mm. Um, and which just made me think about going back and seeing who we did sign that summer. And obviously, Dean mentioned that we brought in Jack Cork um, from Chelsea as, as kind of midfield competition. We spent, I think, a couple of, not even a million pounds on him. We brought in Hoyveld on loan initially, um, but then very, very cheap uh, signing. We also brought in Danny Fox for a 1.5 million or something like that. 
um, and Tadinari Lee on a free transfer. And that was about it, really. So, like, mm. we, we spent the best part of about three million pounds um, going into the championship just because Nigel felt so strongly that we had a really good group of players together. And obviously, that worked out. Um, but I thought it was just interesting hear, hearing Dean chat about that. Definitely, yeah, definitely. I, mean, I think it's a massive vote of confidence if you get promoted and then you see your manager back you. Because, I mean, there's been, there's been lots of instances and maybe we did it to a certain extent when we went up to the Premier League, but definitely in between League One and Championship, he obviously backed that group of players to do well, which, um, yeah, it was good to see. But um, I also thought it was interesting him talking about his position at Leicester as the loan manager, which I'd never heard of before. But as you said in the interview, it does make sense when you've got all those players playing around the country and around Europe. You do need someone overseeing and providing reports back and how they're doing and stuff, which kind of made me think, who is the low manager at Southampton at the moment? Because <laughs> we've got a little army around Europe, haven't we? I'm just having a look now. Obviously, Yoshida, Sampdoria, fair play, he's a legend. Wesley Hoyt in Belgium, El Yanusiak in Celtic, Lamina in Turkey, and then Guido Carrillo's out in Leganes in Spain. And I mean, I haven't, I haven't heard anything about how he's doing. And we signed him for 20 million quid or whatever it was. And the only memory I've got is him hitting the post against Wigan in the cup game. So I think we've, <laughs> we've been fully done there. But yeah, I mean, it's an interesting role. Because he was talking about Harvey Barnes, wasn't he? And how he was tearing it up for, for West Brom at the time. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's cool. It's yeah, cool. no, if you were the Southampton manager, you'd be clocking up some serious air miles, I think, around <laughs> Europe. Um trying to keep track on, on all the players that we've got out there um, right that brings us on to next week's episode episode 7 of Owen the Saints will be slightly different from our regular podcasts we'll be speaking to South American football expert Josh Law uh, who's based in Brazil and we'll be chatting to him about Charles William Miller um, a name that may be familiar to some Saints fans he is a sportsman uh, widely considered to be the person that introduced football to Brazil and what's the link to Southampton? Well, he played for St. Mary's FC, um, which is a club that then became Southampton. Um, so he's uh, a well-known name in Brazil. And we wanted to get a bit more information from Josh on that story and how a former Saints player was the person that introduced the five-time World Cup winning Brazil um, to the sport of football. So stick around for that chat next week. Thank you for joining us this week. Um, but yeah, Jack, looking forward to speaking to you next week on Charles William Miller. See you then, mate.